Hey, you're listening to Naptime Investigations, a true crime podcast. What we're about to discuss is likely disturbing and contains mature content with the use of adult language and the occasional mom joke. Listener discretion is advised. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram at Naptime Investigations or Twitter at Naptime underscore podcasts. We're your hosts. I'm Taylor. And I'm Amanda. We're just a couple of internet mom friends who like to talk about true crime and conspiracies when we can get our children to sleep. Thanks for being our kind of person and joining us to talk about what normal people think isn't appropriate for small talk. Losers. Lame. List family. So, um, with Father's Day fast approaching, uh, we wanted to... um, cover uh killer dad out there so this episode goes out to all the killer dads out there (laughs) that's a dad joke (laughs) as in like please don't kill your family it's please it's it's not safe honestly like it's not the biz zero out of ten do not recommend do not we're gonna talk about the list family and that's gonna start out with mr john list himself he was born in Bay City, Michigan, on September 17, 1925. So John was an only child of John, I'm assuming he was a senior, <laughs> uh, John and Alma List. So John was born into a very, I cannot stress that enough, religious Lutheran family. So his father, like they were so religious that they were always at church and doing something with the church. His father even taught Sunday school. So not only was were they constantly at the church doing churchly things in addition to teaching. Is that a word? Is it a, is church, that a churchly is that a, thing? Is it a church? You know how many thing? texts I got about about uh, administrivia? Administrivia, yeah. <laughs> it's a real word. I got so many texts about that, and I'm like, oh, Amanda, we love her. We know it's a real word. We've we've confirmed it is a real word. Churchly is a real word too. Shut up. I'm so done with you. Churchly. So done. Relating to the Christian church. They were churchly. Churchly. And childhood seemed fairly normal other than the obsessive churchly things. He decided to join the army. So he enlisted in the army in 1943. And he served as a laboratory technician. And he served during World War II, which was Nazi Germany, I believe. After being, so he was, a, he was discharged actually. So he was discharged in 1946. And after he was discharged, he decided to go to school. He received his bachelor's degree in business administration, really into administrivia. Business administrivia. And he also got a master's degree in accounting. Ew. Pass. Hard pass. Uh, so he got his master's degree in accounting, and the Korean War escalated. Wow. Do you think I, that's a real I word? Don't, I don't think that's a word. <laughs> Should I look it up? Oh my god. I'm not going to. We're doing you hard today. Uh, so the Korean War escalated in the 1950s, and List was actually recalled to the army. Wasn't super sure what that was, so I actually looked it up this time. I looked something up right oh. now. Wow. So my understanding of it is when a reservist or a retired military is discharged from whatever branch they're discharged, 
they can be recalled to serve back into active duty during a time of war if they're needed. So the Korean War was, like I said, escalating. and So it sounds similar to like a draft. Kind of, yeah. That same year when he was re-enlisted, he was at Fort Eustis in Virginia. So when he was there, he met, John met his wife, Helen, who was Helen Morris Taylor at the time. Helen was actually a widow and she was married to a soldier who was killed in the Korean War. She uh, was a single mom. So her, her, she had a daughter, her name was Brenda. December 1st, 1951, roughly about a year after meeting Helen, John and Helen got married. And he served two tours in Korea, and he obviously made it back just fine because he went on to be a murderer, or else we wouldn't be talking about him. But wish it could have just ended there. Plot twist: he kills people. <laughs> plot twist. <laughs> so they get married, and they move to North Carolina. the The army realized that he was great at numbers, so they added him added him i don't know if they added him or they assigned him probably subtracted him (laughs) they divided him and multiplied him into the oh god please don't he's horrible the finance corpse of the army and they they relocated to north carolina for that job but not long after in 1952 the the korean war was not in escalation still is that the correct term was not popping any longer oh (laughs) i'm sure that that's I'm sure that's that's the, the actual term. term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it well, it wasn't popping in in Korea any longer. So he got discharged from the army again, and that was in 1952. After that, they traveled a little bit due to job opportunities here and there, but they planted some roots in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and living in Kalamazoo, which didn't super know that was a real place. Come to find out, it wow. is. Wow, you should probably leave the East Coast, Amanda. No. <laughs> yes. So while living in Kalamazoo, Helen and John got it popping there and they had three children. They popped out oh. three kids. Well, not they. Yeah. Helen. Should we insert dad joke? Um, well, someone was busy. Don't drink the water in Kalamazoo. Apparently not. <laughs> God. So in Kalamazoo, he rose pretty quickly in the company's Xerox. He was the director of accounting services, though. And by 1965, John List was offered a position as vice president, not of the country, but as the comptroller at Bank of New Jersey. I know. I was going to say, dang, Pence, you better move over. <laughs> I, I'd probably choose this guy over Pence. But, you know. Straight up. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, but- <laughs> <laughs> That's a story for another day. <laughs> so him and Helen threw all the kids in the back seat of the station wagon and I don't know if they had a station wagon. I'm just picturing a station wagon because it was like the 60s. So they throw him in the station wagon and they drive to New Jersey. And they decided to pick his mother up on the way. Wasn't sure where she was before, but she decided to move with them. So the five of them moved to New Jersey. And I said the five of them because Brenda, Helen's daughter from the previous marriage, actually Mm -hmm. got married in the 60s. So she was moved out by that time. Okay. So John and Helen uh, actually purchased Breeze Knowles. I feel like I need to say that with like a fancy accent. Wow. It's a like mansion. Very 20s. Yes. It was a 19 room Victorian style mansion in Westfield, New Jersey. 
okay, dude, you've got three kids. You don't need that much room. I feel like he really wanted that keeping up with the Joneses attitude. Like he wanted everyone to try to keep up with him. And he, it was okay. the 60s. I feel like that was super big back then. Like who had what? And like your neighbor had this, so you need that, et cetera. Right. Okay. Um, I, we, we will post pictures of the house. It It was like fancy for the time being. It looks pretty fancy for to now being. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> However, like 19 room home. It's a lot to clean. That was in the 60s. Let's move forward to 1971. November 9th, 1971. Let's picture it. Picturing. Horrible hair, probably some bell bottoms. Yeah, a a brown and orange floral top, maybe. I'm here for the bell bottoms. Were bangs in then? I don't know. While in quarantine, please don't yeah. do bangs. I did the bangs. It's not. It's <laughs> I told you not to do it. I don't feel bad for you. Um, so they wake up, Helen and John get the kids up for school and they make sure they get off to school, take the bus and Helen's sitting there drinking her, her morning coffee, commenting probably about the weather, the weather and asking her husband what kind of meetings he had for the day. As he was reading the newspaper, he shoots her in the head. Jesus. <laughs> I just had to I just had to paint that picture because it was I, it was a very wholesome scene until yeah. John decides to shoot Helen. Well, he she was asking him about the meetings he had that day. Like let a girl finish her coffee at least first. Damn. Helen's dead. He decides to uh Go check on his mom, Alma, in their mother-in-law's apartment. So he goes up there to check on sweet uh, 84-year-old Alma Hmm. and decides to shoot her in the left eye while she's still sleeping. Normal day, right? The use. So normal things are happening, like writing a confession note, all these things, you know, canceling their milk orders. Cutting his face out of all the photos in the home. That's so odd. Just passing the time before his children get home off the bus. So his daughter, Patricia, 16, and his youngest son, Frederick, 13, came home from school. And they were each shot in the back of the head. So he didn't really have any more time to kill because he had other things to do that day. So he made himself some lunch. And he decided to go to the bank to close his bank accounts and his mother's bank account. He takes all the money. And his son, John Jr., 15, had a soccer game. So he decided to be dad of the year mm-hmm. and, uh, and go watch his son play soccer. You just killed, like, four people. I just picture him, like, cheering John Jr. on. Woo! Go, JJ! I don't know if they called him JJ, but... Well, we're calling him JJ. Do you watch, do you watch, uh, Bob's Burgers? Jeju? Yeah, Jeju. So, (laughs) Jeju is out there killing a shocker. Um, so John was like, I'm going to be an, I'm going to be a great dad today. And I'm going to give you a ride home because I know you're tired after the soccer game. And he gave him a ride home from a soccer game after he went there and did the dad thing. And then, um, he decided to shoot John Jr. now, Jeju decided to uh, actually defend himself. So he was the only one that actually, 
I, I don't know if he was the only one that had the chance to defend himself or anything. Yeah, it doesn't sound like the other ones had even had a chance. So he actually had to shoot him a few times because he was trying to fight. John used a nine millimeter semi-automatic handgun and a twenty-two revolver between all the shooting he did that day, all of his events. So like I said, and all that free time he had, after killing his whole family, he placed his children and his wife in sleeping bags. So he laid some sleeping bags down, being the respectable churchly man he is, you know, had to show them respect. Um, And he placed only his wife and his three children in in the ballroom on the sleeping bags. And he left his mother's body in her apartment in the attic, actually. Um, but it is reported that too she far was... to bring down. I do want to say also the way he laid the bodies down on the sleeping bag is not super how I I had maybe anticipated it. I showed you the picture. Do you remember? Do you want to describe? Yeah, it wasn't it? like it wasn't like sleeping bags. It was like separate blankets. So when I read that, I had pictured each of them being in like. Uh, a zipped up zipped up sleeping bag right yeah like they literally like they were going into the sleeping bag to sleep (laughs) Uh, um right um but (laughs) 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 um but that's not how it was he literally uh laid it out as big as possible unzipped and placed them all on sleeping bags like as as many as he could on each sleeping bag i wonder if maybe hoping that that would like soak up maybe seepage i don't know and he he made sure to cover their faces um oh do you regret this at all right you don't you don't want to see you no it is it's important to note just because a lot of a lot of times people have regret or you know what i mean like they they didn't want to do this but for some reason they felt compelled to sure and uh we'll actually kind of talk about that later okay so after shooting his family, um, you know how I talked about all of uh, the free time he had? Mm-hmm. So not only did he cut, like I said, all the photos of him, all, the, all of the, the pictures of his face out of the house. So there was no pictures left of him. He canceled other deliveries, milk, newspaper. He wrote the children notes and sent them to school saying that they were taking a trip and they were going to be out of town. He canceled all those those things. And in addition, he wrote a five-page letter to his pastor and left it on the desk in his study. And it was a confession letter. And he spoke about how there was too much evil in the world and he wanted to save their souls and send them to heaven. Uh, We'll talk about this letter again. After writing the letters and cleaning up the home, he... um, Put the radio on, put it on to religious hymns. If I die, the one request is to not do that. He prepared everything and he decided he was gonna, you know, sleep it off. So he decided to go to bed. It was, it was bedtime. He went none night. Sir, are you, are you okay? He's not okay. Not okay. Clearly. And uh, the next morning he left. Just like up and left. Fast forward. So that was November 9th. So we're going to fast forward to about a month later, December 7th, 1971. The five bodies were not found till that almost entire month later. And it took so long to find for multiple reasons. 
The family wasn't super social to begin with. Same. John List wrote all those notes to the kids' schools. He actually, I didn't even mention it, but he wrote lists to the, John List wrote lists (laughs) to the, apparently one or two of his kids had part-time jobs. So he wrote letters to them saying that they're out of town. So this was just very well thought out. Sure. So even said, like, they actually had family in North Carolina. That's where Helen's mom was. So he even said, like, hey, we're going to visit Helen's mom in North Carolina. She's not feeling well. Um, And that was true. Helen's mom wasn't feeling well. Come to find out, she actually had planned the trip to come see them around this time. Around the time of the murder. So around the beginning of November. But she had to cancel the trip because she wasn't feeling well. So actually come to find out later list actually confirmed that Helen's mom would have been the sixth victim if she would have been there. Like that Shut was, up. that was intended for her, but she canceled her trip and was saved because of it. Terrifying. So the neighbors actually didn't even think to report anything um, that they hadn't seen the family. And when they were questioned, it was just like, nothing seemed out of the norm at first, but they, they saw that the lights were constantly on. So apparently before John left, he turned a bunch of lights on in the house. Mm-hmm. And the neighbors soon realized that the same rooms, the lights were on all the time. But eventually the light bulbs started going out because they were on. Because they were on so long. And once that was noted, they actually called the police for a welfare check. They, they realized that like, hmm, like this, is, this is odd. Also, love that, that nosy neighbor for knowing seriously she was like a well before her time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. i can tell you right now that i don't watch my neighbors that closely absolutely not i i, I avoid my but neighbors I, at all costs a hundred percent i would literally close my door and go back inside if they're outside same i have cameras <laughs> i have cameras all around the house i check the cameras <laughs> this is why we're friends or i'll stay in my car if they're outside and like mm-hmm. i'll like mess and pretend like i'm on my phone mm-hmm. or like i will get on my phone yeah. just until they walk away because i don't want to talk to them hashtag anti-social Same. I, don't even, I don't like to wave to them if they wave to me i'll wave back but you're not getting a wave first <laughs> anyway when the investigators first arrived actually to the home after the the light bulb welfare check thing was requested they checked the perimeter and they didn't see anything alarming and then they left. The police assumed that the family was just on an extended vacation. It was early December-ish at this point, roughly. And they were like, maybe they left for Thanksgiving or something. Deliveries that were like backed up or anything. So they were like, yeah, they canceled all their stuff. Like they're on vacation. Like right. people don't buy milk at the store these days. You get them delivered. And if something was wrong, there would be milk here or something. I don't know. Right. Newspapers. I don't know. Newspapers always a giveaway. And that would actually explain why the lights were on. They were like, maybe they want to trick people that like they were still home. The police were actually called a second time on December 7th when the bodies were found because Patricia's drama teacher was standing outside the home yelling for her. Was like, I'm not leaving. Something is wrong. She is dead. He is probably our spirit animal because he was like Mm-mm, officers you need to break so, in and check her drama something's wrong she's dead <laughs> there just it's no, nothing good is happening so he finally convinced the officers that something was wrong so 
they decided to go in for another welfare, for real welfare check at this point, because the first one wasn't really a welfare check. So the officers entered the home through an unlocked window in the basement, and they soon obviously found, and I'm assuming smelled, the bodies that were in the ballroom. And how, how again, how long uh, apart is this? Like a month? About a month. They were killed on November 7th. They were found... No, November, they were killed, they were killed on November 9th, they were found on December 7th. Oh, wow, okay. They found the bodies, five, they found the five bodies. Five. This was actually the first violent crime in Westfield, New Jersey in eight years. They were shook. So this soon received uh, a lot of media attention and nationwide, it was, it was huge. And uh, the manhunt for John List started. Hundreds of people called in with tips, and none of them really panned out. And what sucked was that John took all the photographs of him from the house. So it was really hard. They were trying to find what? pictures of him. Yeah. This so, dude is like an evil genius. Yeah, man. So cool. they, they, I mean, they were having a hard time trying to figure out what he looked like. I mean, it was the, yeah. sev- the early 70s. It's not like they could like pull up his DMV picture. John's car was soon found at JFK Airport in New York City, which is not super far from New Jersey, but they couldn't find any evidence that John took a flight. They ran everything they could, and they they just couldn't find any flights that were for him. And king of diversion. Mm-hmm. So I do want to just kind of say this is a little off topic, but nine months after the murder, an unknown um, arsonist burned down Breeze Knowles Mansion in august uh 1972 so okay. the the original house actually was burned down so finding john list turned out to be a challenge it was later discovered that john actually took a train from new jersey to michigan then to denver and he kind of settled in denver colorado by uh, early 1972 john took an accounting job and he assumed the alias of Robert Bob Clark. Creepy enough, it was actually the name Bob Clark or Robert Clark. It was a classmate that he took classes with. You're just like, meh, I uh, like this name. I'm going to stick with it. Great name. It's a very um, generic. generic name. From 1979 to 1986, he worked at a paper box manufacturing company uh, in the Denver, greater Denver area. He became churchly again oh lord and joined a lutheran church and actually got super involved which is even more terrifying because he started running a carpool little thing for church members who had mobility issues oh my god could you imagine being like a disabled or older person and like in a car with john list john Um, bob list clark john bob list clark (laughs) <laughs> yep um, terrible yeah terrifying uh at a church event john bob i wrote john bob lol <laughs> <laughs> i love, love myself i love myself so, john bob. so funny <laughs> um i appreciate my humor after the fact i did these notes like weeks ago so at a church event john bob met Dolores Miller. A few years later, in 1988, the couple moved um, to Virginia where he could find a, an accounting job. 
So in May 1989, about a year or so after he moved, John List's family's murder was right on the popular show America's Most Wanted. And um, they, at that point, obviously, that was years later, they had found pictures of John and they were able to, um, and a forensic artist was able to create a sculpture of what they thought John was going to look like aged. So two weeks after the air date on June 1st, John List was arrested at his job in Richmond, Virginia. What? Yeah. Guess to John Walsh for catching John Bob List Clark. John Bob List Clark. <laughs> um, so his neighbor actually in Denver recognized him immediately. And the, they alerted the, the police. After his arrest, John insisted that he was not John Bob. He was like, absolutely not. I'm just Bob. I'm just Bob Clark. I'm not John Bob List Clark. That is not me. And he continued to insist. He was like, no, man, you got, you got the wrong dude. So even like during his extradition to New Jersey, like he was being extradited for the murder of his whole family. And he was like, no, it's not me. Papa, it ain't me. But then like they got smart and was, were like, remember when you were in the military and we have your fingerprints? Uh-oh. And he was like, I mean, I was never in the military. So like, here's my fingers, dog. And they were, like, a solid match. They were like, man, it, this is you. And he was like, ah, it's me. I'm really John Bob Bliss Clark. You got me. Uh, yeah. So um, he finally, 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 finally admitted that he was John Bob in February 16th, 1990. Let's fast forward to the trial. The trial in charges. He was charged, charged with five counts of first-degree murder. Trial began. Homeboy disappeared for years, eighteen years. Like I bet he was just like, Haha, I got away with it. Like, do you think he forgot? Like, do you think he was just like living his life, being like, mm-hmm, my real name's Bob. He got, yeah, I'm Bob. Yeah, Bob. So his trial began, and Johnless actually took the stand, and he told the story of money issues and how he was laid off from his job. He claimed that he was so ashamed and didn't know what to do with himself that he pretended like everything was normal. He'd get up, he'd pretend to go to work, get ready. So he'd pretend to get ready, read the newspaper, talk about these fake meetings. Okay, wait, let's let's be real. He didn't pretend to get ready. He got whole ass ready for work. <laughs> so, so he got ready to not go to work. <laughs> To pretend to to go to work. Man, which is dedication, because, you know, if my ass doesn't need to get up for no reason... I don't even get ready to go to work. He got ready for work every day. He read the newspaper, drank his coffee, got ready, headed to the train station to read the newspaper again. He probably pretended to read the newspaper. Stop. After he read it the first time, he's like, I gotta pretend to read this right now so that I can actually read it later. So I have something to read when I'm at the train station. (laughs) So I'll probably finish all my crossword puzzles. And then he'd go home on time. What a freak! And would probably complain about, like, work stresses and stuff. Oh my god. (laughs) Such a hard day, Helen. Like, damn. (laughs) So... And he actually was stealing money, skimming money off his mother's account to like maintain minimal payments on accounts. And I think he was mostly just paying for um, the mortgage at that point, but like whatever he could, he was taking from his mom. 
during the trial, a therapist actually testified that John List had obsessive compulsive personality disorder. They believed he only, they believed that he felt he only had two options. Tell his family that what was going on, he was, he was laid off and get government assistance or kill his family and secure their place in heaven. That is so drastic. Yeah, man. Talking about drama yeah um so with that being said like his father and this is this does not make it okay to kill people but his father really instilled in him that like government assistance is bad and all like do not rely on these things and like it's very shameful um so i did a little research on like what he was diagnosed with obsessive compulsive personality disorder is characterized by excessive concern um orderliness perfectionism attention to detail mental and interpersonal control issues need to control over every and all environmental factors um it's reported that people with ocpd have issues with being flexible aren't open to new things and are typically workaholics um they often find that they feel like time is running out and they cannot relax. That's very stressful. Regardless of how much effort they are putting into anything, they just don't feel like it's enough. So April 12th, 1990, John List was actually convicted of the five counts of first-degree murder for his family, which, yes. Yeah. About yeah. freaking time. At sentencing, um, he still didn't think he was responsible and he actually said, quote, I feel that because of my mental state at the time, I was unaccountable for what happened. I ask all affected by this for their forgiveness, understanding, and a prayer. I hope you get zero prayers. I hope nobody prays for you. Like, it's not very and, churchly of you, right? Sir. What, are you, what are those people, what are those old biddies at your carpool group thinking now? They're taking all their prayers back. They're taking everything. They said, not for you to say. <laughs> The judge actually had a clap back for him. A technical term. Clap back. Clap back. So the judge clapped back and was like, John List is without remorse and without honor. After 18 years, five months, and 22 days, it is now time for the voices of Helen, Alma, Patricia, Frederick, and John F. List, Jeju Jr. to raise from the grave so like yes to that judge snaps to that judge seriously the judge sentenced him to five turns of imprisonment the the maximum time list filed an appeal claimed that he killed his family due to ptsd from his past time in the the military and said that the confession that he left his pastor shouldn't have been admissible in court because because it was a um it should it was only for his pastor and it wasn't a confession for anyone else and they should have like that i don't know what the rule is like you don't like doctor patient confidentiality yeah but like for a pastor, pastor? Isn't a doctor i don't know if that's a real thing but that's what I he think tried maybe doing. with the lord so they were like nah they rejected it real quick no thank you so in 2002 um there he actually was interviewed by connie chung he showed some remorse in this interview for the first time it sounded like he said he wished he hadn't killed his family and that he regretted his actions. Hmm. 
Uh, Connie actually asked him why he didn't commit suicide himself. And he said it's because he wouldn't be able to get into heaven. Bro, you're not going. You you killed people. You ain't going. You ain't going to heaven. So I tried to find the recording. I couldn't find it. 2002. I hope they took it down. March 21st, 2008. John List died from complications of pneumonia. He was actually 82. Bye. Um, I hope he died in a really horrible way and felt like he was drowning. Just a little facts. I know we briefly talked about the movie Stepfather that that was inspired by John List's story. And he was actually at large for a total of 17 years, six months, and 23 days. Holy cow. So uh shook yeah that's that's mr uh john bob bliss clark john bob you are not good people no and all the fathers out there uh don't be like john bob and i hope that he's in a very special place in hell uh so yeah thanks for thanks for joining us again or for the first time if this is your first time i hope not because because we've been doing this yeah we've been doing the damn thing but also happy father's day to all of the killer dads out there we hope you join us every monday for our weekly episode and as an added bonus we've deemed the first sunday of every month as serial killer sunday so you can look forward to an extra long episode about our favorite serial killers once a month Go follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Naptime Investigations or Twitter at Naptime underscore podcast. If you want us to cover one of your favorite cases, please send your case suggestions to naptimeinvestigations at gmail.com or via the case suggestion link in our Instagram bio. As always, we hope you enjoyed this episode and thanks for joining this party.